This past week when I uh, had uh, given the sermon title for this week's message to the front office, Karen Peoples went to work, as she always does, on picking out a bulletin cover for uh, this week's bulletin. And I came to the office, and she kind of greeted me with this sheepish grin and uh, said to me, I put the bulletin cover on your desk. I said, okay. And I went in, and there it was. And you may not be able to see this from way in the back, but uh, she made a bulletin cover with a big cartoon mosquito on it for the little things. And I said, no, 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 no. This is Egypt. Okay, we're talking the plague of the gnats, not the mosquitoes. It's not Michigan, you know. Although some of us, you know, if we're sitting on, a, on our back deck on a humid uh, Michigan summer night, we might think that we have the plague of mosquitoes. You know, that's possible. But uh, we're talking the plague of the gnats. Now, as far as the mosquitoes are concerned, you know, last summer I, I had one of the high school kids uh, ask me the question, why did God make mosquitoes? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Let me get back to you on that one. I mean, mosquitoes seem to be just these, these, these things that are, uh, have no, served no good, good purpose. They, they just come around and they bug you and they, and they sting you and leave you with a red welt that itches for days. I mean, why would God make mosquitoes? But then I thought about that during, you know, as I was preparing for today, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe God gave us mosquitoes so that we would stop and notice the little things. After all, it's the big things that kind of get our attention, isn't it? I mean, you know, things like paying the bills and going to work and getting the kids where they need to go and, and our health, you know, things like that. I mean, those are the things that can just rivet us. Uh, our relationships, you know, th- there's tons of big things that can just rivet us, which means that we can walk right by all of the little things that are around us that are signs of God's presence even, signs of God's hand in creation, And with that sign of God's presence and God's hand in creation, we can see God himself. And we can walk right on by these things without even noticing them, without even noticing that God is there, or like with that eye chart that we used here with those little kids, that Jesus actually does love you. Now, how in the world do we go from gnats and mosquitoes to that? Well, it begins with the plagues (laughs) back in Exodus. And the plague that was before the plague of the gnats was this plague of the frogs. And what happened with the plague of the frogs was, was that uh, these frogs filled the land. You know, Moses came to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. This is what the Lord says. He says, no way, no dice, get out of here. And uh, so they had the plague of the frogs. And then uh, Pharaoh c- called Moses back in, and he said, hey, <laughs> Moses, these frogs are driving us nuts. I mean, they are everywhere. Get rid of them. Pray, pray to your Lord. Pray to your God. And uh, get rid of these things. So he did, and the, and the, and the frogs all died, and they you know, had to sweep them up in heaps and everything else and got rid of them. And then uh, Moses went back to Pharaoh and said, Okay, there they are, as you said. Now the Lord says, Let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Just as the Lord had said is what it says. Six times through these plagues in Exodus, it will repeat those words, just as the Lord had said, which means that God knows what's going on here. God knows human hearts. God knows human conditions. He knows human patterns. He knows human behaviors, and He knows what works, just as the Lord had said. 
So the Lord then sent the next plague, which is the plague of the gnats. Now, how bad could gnats be? I mean, come on. Well, if you've ever been doing something like, say, uh, playing softball or golfing or going for a walk or something like that, where you've had like one little gnat that's been just following your head, you know, all over the, or, or a little mosquito, you know, you know, camping. You know, when I was growing up, I'd go camping, Boy Scouts and things like that. It always seemed to be that there was one little mosquito in my tent that would kind of just, you know, get stuck in my ear. And it's just one little bug can really, really be something that can drive you crazy. So, you know, gnats, if you've got a whole bunch of them, man, that can be something else. Let's take, for, for example, also, uh, let's say that Brenda, okay, she's out riding on her bicycle. By the way, if you were ever to guess what color Brenda's bicycle might be, you might have guessed they would be the color of the one that she just showed to us. But Brenda is out riding her bicycle, and... Uh, She's really getting into it. She's riding a long distance, so her mouth is hanging open, trying to grasp all, gasp in all of the air, all of the oxygen she possibly can get. And as she's riding down the street, you know, just enjoying the day, sucking in all this oxygen with her mouth open, all of a sudden there's a cloud of gnats she, she rides through. And she swallows a mouthful of gnats, and she's spitting and muttering and and uh, trying to make a beeline for home so she can rinse out her mouth. And she gets there, and she's rinsing it out, convinced that there's one little gnat stuck in the back someplace that she's going to need a tonsillectomy to be able to get out. You know, tell me that gnats don't matter. All right? Now, picture that the entire countryside is filled not just with a little cloud, but a big cloud of gnats. Everywhere you go, there are gnats. I mean, these things might just happen to get Pharaoh's attention. And that's what the point is, is that the little things in life are the things that really can make a big difference. Those are the things that can get our attention, should get our attention, but far too often we pass them right on by. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. Exodus chapter 8, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with a staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came upon men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. And when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. The earlier Pharaoh's assistants could duplicate what had happened with these plagues, but they could not with the gnats, with the little things. When the gnats were on men and animals, the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. What does it mean, you know, to, to have a hard heart for Pharaoh? And in various places here, it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And sometimes when we read that, you know, it's a little bit difficult to read because it sounds unfair, like God is setting up Pharaoh. You know, he's hardening his heart. So how does that work? Well, it, it works something like this. Now, hardening, hardening uh, uh, of the heart is um, akin to stubbornness. And Pharaoh was one stubborn man. He was one stubborn guy. And God knew Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh didn't know God, but God knew Pharaoh, and he knew that you were, if you were to put Pharaoh into certain situations, into certain positions, he is likely to respond in a certain way. Pharaoh was predictable, as are many of us. Pharaoh was one who thought that he was God in Egypt. As a matter of fact, he exercised the power of a God over the people. So when Moses came to Pharaoh and he said, okay, I bring a message from the Lord God who says, let my people go. Pharaoh's saying, wait a minute, I thought I was God around these parts and I thought they were my people. So we come with the Lord God up against Pharaoh who thinks he's a God and put him into a particular situation, and Pharaoh is going to push back. His heart is hardened. You know, and, and he's going to demonstrate to all concerned that he is God, and that's hardening of his heart. So the, the way that the Lord hardens his heart is he puts him into certain situations where he predictably responds stubbornly. Now, maybe, you know, maybe you might know some people like this, you know, very stubborn, um, persisting in certain patterns of behavior, uh, will not change. You know, you, you wonder um, what it will take for change to occur. Maybe you yourself are like this. My parents now uh, are going through, you know, that stage in life where they are not as young as they used to be. And... Uh, you know, while they used to be able to get around and everything really well and live on their own very well, uh, these days they are at that point where they really need to get some more help uh, with them because of their physical condition. When I was there in Minnesota for uh, my graduation, I was staying with my parents, and um, one night um, there was a big commotion upstairs, and turned out that my mother had gotten up in the middle of the night, and she had... Uh, gone to the bathroom, and as she was coming out, she tripped and fell against the, the wall, and these pictures and everything came off the wall, hit her in the head, and caused her to bleed and all this kind of stuff, and uh, got blood everywhere, and, and you know, she is, is, is known as a stubborn person, okay? Um, I thought it was ironic that she fell right next to this little plaque that said, living with a Swede bring, builds character. Um, but that's where she was, and, uh, you know, I came upstairs, my dad and I, we cleaned her up and, and got her set. It looked like she w- was not going to need stitches, and we were good, but we were monitoring the situation. Next day, you know, my siblings and I were talking, and, and uh, ever since then, my brother, who inherited her stubbornness, has been going at it like, you know, this with her, because he's saying, you will move into a new, you know, assisted living place. And she's saying, I will not move into it. And, and, that's, and that's this, uh, you know, this hardening of the attitudes, this stubbornness that can take place in people, you know, especially when we get into certain situations. You know, there can be this stubbornness that takes place. Now, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and His guidance in our life, when we are stubbornly resisting Him, the question is, what will it take to be able to get over that, to be able to experience the kind of life that God has in store for us? Well, what we can see in Scripture is this, beginning with this particular plague, the plague of the gnats, is that oftentimes what it takes is stopping and noticing the little things. Matter of fact, Jesus says that we are to have the same uh, kind of attitude, approach to life of a little child. 
It says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Many people have tried to figure this one out. What, what Jesus might be talking about here, we need to be like a little child to inherit the kingdom of God and be part of the kingdom. Well, I think at least one aspect of this can be found in this. That we need to be able to notice the little things like little children notice the little things. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. I mean, we've got the example up here, you know, with kids being able to read the fine print that, you know, as we get older, we can't read. Okay? But there's a lot of other things in life that, that as we get older, we just kind of gloss right by. Don't notice the little things. A few weeks ago, I was outside with, uh, with the twins, and Taylor, one of the twins, was... Uh, kind of on the sidewalk by the driveway, and she looked down, and, and, and my wife was over on the deck, and she looked down, and she said, Bug, Papa, Bug. And she turned to my wife, and she yelled, Bug, Nana, one, one, Nana, Bug. And, you know, she was going to protect her from this little bug, and I went over there and looked, and it was a little ant, the smallest ant I have ever seen in my life. I mean, this thing was so minuscule you couldn't possibly see it unless you were looking for it. But this little girl, you know, who's about this high, maybe part of the thing is that she's a whole lot closer to the ground than I am. But, you know, she could see this thing. She could see the little things that adults don't take the time to slow down and see because we are so busy with the big things. And in the little things, we can see what God is up to. We can see God's presence in those little things. Now, there's some takeaways that I've got from these things. The first one is this, to to try to see the world through, through the eyes of a child or like with the eyes of a child, which means to slow down and say, you know what, there might be some things I don't know. There might be some things that God wants to reveal to me that I I have been too busy to even see. And they oftentimes get revealed in the little things. The second thing, the second takeaway is that God cares about the little things. When I read about this plague of the gnats, I had to stop here and look at it and say, plague of the gnats? I mean, I can understand the big things, things like, um, you know, turning the water into blood. Okay, that's a big thing. Or uh, boils all over people's bodies. You know, man, that's a big thing. Or the death of the firstborn, a huge thing, okay? But gnats? What it's showing me was that God notices the little things and cares about the little things. And the little things are all around us. There's all kinds of little things that God has given to us. You know, a kind word that someone speaks. Um, maybe uh, somebody letting you into traffic. Um, you know, various things. In this video we saw, you know, a bottle of water as a little thing. Or even noticing a little part of God's creation. A little gnat. Now that God cares about the little things. And then thank God for the little things. In Matthew 6, verse 28, he said, Jesus says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
That's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, oftentimes with this passage, we focus on worry. And for many of us, you know, the more we focus on worry, the more we worry. So let's try a different approach here, okay? The lilies of the field, those are some little things. And he's saying, stop and notice the little things because they're going to tell you a message from God. And the message from God is this, that if God cares so much about the little things, how much more does he care about you? You know, if God cares about the little ant, <laughs> the lilies in the field, how much more does he care about you? So have faith. Have some trust. Now, some little things can be really, really good. And when we stop and we notice those things, we slow down long enough to see some of the little things in life, then we can also turn to God with thanks. Thank you, God, for the mosquito. Thank you, God, that my son called me on Father's Day. Thank you, God, that bottle of water. And when we do that, when we slow down, notice the little things, and thank God for them, then we can experience God's peace. We're going to try that right now, okay? Right now. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do this. Experiment here, okay? I want you to think of a little thing. Whatever that might be, and if you can't think of one, think of that little ant, uh, Taylor's little ant, Okay? And in just a moment, I want you to slow down, take a deep breath, which we'll do together, and think about that and thank God for it. Okay, you ready? All right. All right, let's take that deep breath. Breathe it out. Focus on that little thing. Thank God for it. All right, how do you feel? You know God's peace? God speaks through the little things. When things seem so big, so huge, so mighty, remember to slow down. Notice the little things and thank God for them. Amen.